Hello, I'm Lyle Walker, one of the deacons at Red Hills Church, and you are listening to an episode of Red Hills Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. On this episode, I sit down with Chris and Lacey, Red Hills missionaries to China. This amazing couple heard the call of the Holy Spirit and uprooted their entire life for the sake of the gospel. Their story is one of listening, obedience, and faith when that's all that you have left. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you'd like to find out more about Red Hills Church, please go to redhillschurch.com. Now, on to the discussion. You guys just got back from a year and a half, two years? Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle area. <laughs> uh, in China, <laughs> as missionaries. So obviously we're going to sit down and talk about that. So um, again, thank you for joining me. Of course. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. So let's just start out with background, right? So what led you two to becoming, like, that term missionaries, um, mm-hmm. it's such a unique term. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of like the fivefold ministry. Um, you know, we are all called to be missionaries uh, to to one extent to another, but there is a specific type of missionary that would that is willing to uh, leave their home and uh, not. A, I don't want to use the word abandon, but abandon the the life that mm. they have. Yeah. Yeah. In, in in that's an accurate word. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. okay. Feels pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Feels pretty accurate. Um, and leave everything they know behind for the sake of the gospel. And you guys have that 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 title now and i know that sounds strange mm. to call it that mm-hmm. but you, you do you've done something that very very small percentage of people will ever do i mean we have the um the weekend folks the ones that go out on a missionary trip which are great um but to be a missionary to do that that's that's something mm. that very few people um have so i think what i want to discover through this conversation is what was that like what was that process like so let's just start with Man, what, what, where was that moment in your life that you were like, missions, this is it? Um, for me, I had always felt the call to be a missionary. Um, even before I really knew what that meant, I just always knew in my heart that I wanted to go somewhere and I wanted to tell people about Jesus. That started like as early as 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever I was in high school and college, everything I did just sort of centered around what can I do Mm. so that my life will be centered around becoming a missionary. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it transitioned into meeting Christopher. And we... trouble? (laughs) (laughs) She almost middle names you. (laughs) Uh, And uh, from there, like, we both were... uh, called to be missionaries, and so that kind of uh, definitely just really hardened that call of like, okay, now not only do I feel called to be missionary, but my now future husband feels called to be a missionary. So like, this is most likely what my call will be. I guess I, I, I want to press in a, a little bit on that idea of calling because that's even something that I've struggled with. You know, um, I feel the call of to be a pastor, but mm. it really took a long time mm. to convince myself that I was worthy of that calling. Mm. So was there like a, like when you say you just knew from an early age, like what was that thing that you just knew? Was it, a, was it a desire? Was there a, an, an audible voice of God? Like, you know, go here or this is what I'm calling you to do. Um, yeah. Well, for me personally, it was just always a desire. Mm. Uh, and like, I just felt this, I guess I can describe it as an ache 
to just go and tell people, um, even before I knew like what the power of the gospel was, what the power of salvation was, it was just sort of an ache, a desire. Um, I didn't actually hear, like, I guess you could call it an audible voice, but like the Holy Spirit telling me that I was going to be a missionary until, uh, I'd met Chris and, um, we, we went to Guatemala together on a mission trip. And we were still dating at the time. And um, we were sitting on a bench and I just felt God speak to me and say, you are going to marry him and you guys are going to do foreign missions together. Wow. Um, and that was kind of the solidification of everything. Solidification. How's yes. that for pressure? Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. <laughs> What's your story? Uh, well... Um, no, uh, I felt a call from God at a younger age, like high school. Um, but at the time I thought that, uh, like the only, the only context I had for like processing what God was telling me was that I meant being a pastor, mm-hmm. like, uh, domestically. Um, and so like my church, the leadership, like all that, we kind of like, when, once I like felt that from God and heard that from him, we like moved forward in like trying to like put the pieces in play for like me becoming like pastoral training and things like that. But it was kind of funny because like, it's almost like that wasn't what God was telling me because things never worked out when we tried (laughs) doing it that way. Um, It wasn't until uh, meeting Lacey and being in Guatemala that um, I realized that like that got that call from God was very real and true, it just wasn't. I, it, I, uh, it wasn't what I thought it was at first. <laughs> hmm. So the calling, yeah. Whereas Lacey, it's kind of you know, it's interesting. It's almost like we have like the two pictures of like the opposite side of a coin here, where like Lacey knew very early that like missionary. I, in my context, thought it meant like, oh, if I'm being called from God, it must be to be a pastor. Hmm. Um, but I had to find out through a lot of teaching and leading from father that uh, it actually meant to be a foreign missionary. Hmm. Yeah. I remember not to talk about me, but I remember 18, right when I got right after I got saved, I thought I was gonna be a worship leader. And then I heard myself sing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a decent, I I sang in choirs growing up, you know, so it wasn't that I didn't, I knew, I, I knew I could sing on, on, on key and everything, but I broke my nose when I was in middle school and that changed my the way I oh, sang because no. it makes me very nasally because I have a deviated septum, whatever. So it was just like I had this deep desire to be a worship leader, and I loved worship. It was like my thing, mm-hmm. and I was just so certain. And I poured everything into learning the guitar and work. And but I would hear myself on recording. I was like, that just doesn't. That's not a lead vocalist type mm. of thing. And so it's just interesting. Now, twenty years later, it's different obviously obviously where god takes you from what you think you're gonna be Mm -hmm. and then where you end up that that journey is is incredible Mm -hmm. so you guys got married uh how long were you married before you decided that um yeah we're going we're going out uh we were not married yet we decided like a very crucial part of uh our like god bringing us together and like our prayer and like knowing what God wanted to do in and through our like relationship and eventually family was like building a legacy of like missions work. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like we knew before we even got married that 
we okay. would be wow. going out. And even like, and even more like specifically, like not a lot of missionaries like feel a call to a specific place with a specific people group for a long time. And for us, it was more like we felt very clearly from God through the Holy Spirit that like we would be in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So you picked, well, I don't want to say you picked this, but you <laughs> chose China. Oh, well, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we, as soon as we got back from Guatemala, um, it was probably uh, like four or five months later that we started discussing marriage like we had only been dating for four months when god told me that (laughs) um and then about four or five months later we were like okay time for engagement a couple months later engagement finally happened um and then we (coughs) christopher (laughs) (laughs) Um, you hit the finally (laughs) (laughs) um but then we started praying okay where because neither of us like chris said neither of us had ever felt a call to a specific place um but then we went to a bridal like a wedding shower um yeah so my parents mm -hmm. decided at my home church to throw us a wedding shower and it just so happened that some people that i was very close with growing up in my home church who are missionaries in china were were back sharing about what they Mm -hmm. were doing um and so it was more along like, oh, you get to catch up with them. Like, it's great. It's the same right. weekend. How <laughs> how convenient. Right. Uh, but like in the middle of like that Sunday service when they were presenting, uh, me and Lacey weren't even like sitting next to each other. Like, but we uh, we like both at the same time, like <laughs> through the Holy Spirit, we're like, oh, oh, oh we're no. starting in China. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, <laughs> we're starting in China. I, I know you're like, you, in Guatemala, you weren't doing... Okay, so explain, like, y'all were doing a lot of, like, sex, human sex trafficking mm-hmm. kind of, uh, like, like, fighting it, fighting yeah. it. Anti, anti. <laughs> anti, 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 anti. Um, so, yeah, make that clear. But, so, the, I, I'm trying to think of, like, what no, is, yeah. like, on a scale, if you were to put something, like, in a, in a sphere, what is, if you start in Guatemala, anti-sex trafficking mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. life, China... Missionary trip to China seems straight to be up evangelism on yeah. the other side complete of the complete opposite yeah. spectrum. Literally. All of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not where we ever, 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 ever anticipated ending up ever. Because mm-hmm. it also sounds like something. So if I'm, because I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a dip my toe in the water kind of guy before I really commit to something. And so if I'm going to say, okay, okay, Lord, I'm going to become a missionary. I'm going to choose somewhere very safe mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where they speak English yeah. and they have probably heard of Jesus at least once or twice in their life mm-hmm. so that I am uh, set free of that burden of trying to break down those three mm-hmm. very huge mm-hmm. barriers. Y'all yeah. chose Jesus chose, Holy Spirit chose <laughs> yeah. for you, uh, China. So talk about that a bit, like, you know, um, leading up to, you know, the decision, uh, what it took to get there. And then we'll talk a little bit about, like, what you were actually doing while you were there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it almost, like, wasn't even really a decision for us. Like, yeah. We knew very clearly and heard very clearly from God that, like, this is where you're starting. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, Yeah. Do you, and people would be like, do you even want to? No. But no. like, <laughs> this is where yeah. like God wants me to go. And like, that's more important than what I want. And, and that's, so. that's kind of, we kept telling people, but that's kind of how we knew that it was from God yeah. was mm-hmm. that. 
this was not something either of us wanted. Um, But we both just felt this absolute assurance, like this is where God wants us, Mm -hmm. Um, which brought a lot of peace. But there was also a a massive journey of like God really breaking down a lot of just not wanting to go. Like there were, I, I prayed many times. I think a lot of people did. And honestly. I, yeah, oh yeah, we had like our friends, <laughs> many family members, me. Wow. We're all praying. Like I was like, God, I do not want to go to China. Mm, yeah. Like after the initial excitement of being, you know, yay, we we know where we're going, and then it just hit me, and I was I was like, oh, some like little I'm thirty jump, hours yeah. away from my like, God. If, if it's your will, <laughs> take this cup from me. Yes. But, you know, if yeah. it's your will, I'm gonna go. But, but please, yeah. you know. Oh yes, yeah. Cup take yeah. I, and I mean, like this this probably speaks to like people who may feel like they feel this similar call, but like this whole process of like getting to this point where like you are. Um, a missionary in a foreign context in a land that is completely different from yours with people who have never even heard of the name of Jesus, like all of these things, like it is a complete stripping away. Yeah. Like there is, by the time that like you, (laughs) God decides that you're ready to go, you have, you are literally holding on to nothing. And Mm -hmm. like, I don't say that to like scare off anybody or maybe I do, but like, you know, like that's just the reality of like what this means is that like you, we had to get to a point where like we had literally nothing left, but Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. There's, there's a weight that comes with ministry, whether it's pastorship or missionary or whatever it is that if you don't feel that weight, (laughs) I'm not going to say you're not in the, you're, you're doing it, but you need to get to a place where you can feel the heaviness and the burden that comes with something like that to make because what you're doing is so incredibly important, but so so earth shattering, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and it's it is a weight, but at the same time, it's it's also this massive like helplessness <laughs> that like you just right. feel yeah. like okay. you yeah. are absolutely incapable mm-hmm. of like. And that's like the stripping begins the moment you realize I somehow have to pack up my entire life Mm. and move to the opposite side of the world and get all of the visas done and all like all these things have to be done. And it our stripping began the moment and Mm. it like like it begins the moment you accept the call. It's just like God is like, okay, I'm going to begin it. And then you just have to say okay, God, I can't do it. And you've got to do it all. That's a cool analogy. I mean, if you think about it, like that burden of of ministry, but also a weightlessness. Yeah, like realizing you can't do it yourself. It's it's, it's simultaneous. (laughs) Like like it happens at the same time. That's very interesting. Um, So you've made the decision. You've done all the prep work. and what I mean by that is the fundraising and getting mm-hmm. the, all, mm-hmm. the, all everything together. Oh, fundraising. I forgot about fundraising. <laughs> That's a oh. podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll just put that, we'll table that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you get to China, there's all those decisions and praying all of that. What were you, what were, uh, I mean, because we know, tell us a little bit about like the China being a non-Christian nation. Mm-hmm. You know, what was that like? Yeah. What did you have to prepare yourself? It goes a little deeper than that. Like, not only is China, a non-Christian nation, they, there are, it's more like two options. Either they are like, um, aggressively anti-Christian mm. or 
completely blissfully ignorant mm-hmm. of Christianity. So you either like as like as a as like a like a national sentiment, you either run into people who are opposed to it like diametrically because of like political ties or people who like literally do not know what the name Jesus Christ means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've had varying answers of like saying, you know, hey, we're going to go like would you like to come over to my apartment and study the Bible to like one person would say absolutely not and also that's illegal mm-hmm. or they would say what's the Bible. So that, yeah, so let's start from there like from the from the legality standpoint. And this is interesting for most Christian, because that's such a yeah. to say that, like to hear, uh, you're going to come over to my house for a Bible study. No, that's illegal. Like that's the that's yeah. the mind blowing moment for most Americans because we just yeah. can't wrap our minds around yeah. a nation. I mean, we, I can get Middle East and in certain countries that are just like, yeah, that's not good. Um, but to but to have it illegal to have a Bible study, that's just so so um, so so insane. So what were the what was, what was that like? What were the laws against what you were trying to do? And let's, maybe maybe we should start with this. What were you there to do? Yeah, so um, we were there, uh, like as specific as I can get, uh, to um, build relationships with college student, college level, like college age students, um, and through like relationships we build with them, uh, be able to share the gospel with them and tell them about Jesus. Um, now, being a missionary is illegal in China, so our official title there, we our official. <laughs> Uh, like reason for being in China was on a work visa and on a student visa. So, Lazy, you were the. I was an English teacher, and I studied Chinese. Okay. Um, because like officially, you can't say, "Oh, I'm I'm just here studying," and or like I'm just here on a tourist visa, and oh, I'm a missionary, by the way, too. Uh, <laughs> that gets denied really quick. They don't have uh, yeah. special uh, missionary. <laughs> there visas. are not no. missionary visas. <laughs> There are missionary uh, holding cells, but they're not. <laughs> um, no, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you were caught, if you were caught, yeah, like we, in the we act of- like you have to any sort of like text, like textual written text, textual is that a word? Yeah, I guess sure. We'll go with textual it. communication. <laughs> um, we like there are like a certain um, like certain like standard of code words that we'd have to use. Mm. Um, we had to hide the fact that we were uh, actively seeking to tell people about Jesus yeah. and everything, and, and like any sort of like recorded situation. Yeah. Um, and just ha- even had to be careful about where we talked about it in like public too. Yeah. Mm. Um, because anything like that um, can be documented and held against you. And um, like as a foreigner in the situation, like currently, um, you. Uh, you're subject to like some prison time while they like hold you, interrogate you. Maybe not necessarily prison time, but yeah. like more well, like like we're gonna like you get detained, you get right, questioned, right. and then yeah. eventually sent home and like blacklisted whenever coming. Back. Yeah, they give you like they say you have 48 hours to get out of the country, mm-hmm. and then you have to leave. And if you're not out, then you will have prison time. Um, and while we were there, we we didn't know. Like no personally, we were loosely connected to. Some we were people, loosely like, connected to, a lot of people to families, too, like whole bit. families whose kids had grown up in these schools, were kicked out. Mm. Um, wow! And so yeah, the, I mean it, it's a it's a 
very true reality of being there is like the fear of, okay, at any second they could knock on our door and mm-hmm. we'd have to leave. So the, the whole, the, the, I don't want to use the word scheme, but um, to a certain extent you were yeah. there to under the guise of a teacher or student, but the real mission mm-hmm. uh, uh, was to develop relationships with people. And I mean, like yeah. that, this is the mind that, 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 that seems easy when you speak their language and you understand their culture, like, yeah. I mean, I can sit down on any bus here and strike up a conversation with somebody that's in Florida and within maybe five minutes, I could probably come to some level of like culturally, I don't care who you are, mm-hmm. I can get something out of you that I can link myself to. You were, like I used the word, Chris, you said foreigners, um, in a foreign land, uh-huh. right? You probably stuck out like a sore thumb, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so what was that like? So you're coming from like a very, I don't want to use the word American like it's a, a negative trait, but from Americanized kind of yeah. like culture mm-hmm. to being, okay, you're probably the only two what white Caucasian people like that they, yeah. some people would ever see. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting because it's like the spotlight is always on you. Because mm-hmm. like you said, like in a lot of situations – like like Western shows and like movies and TV shows, all that. Like big, the Big Bang Theory is huge over there. <laughs> the Marvel movies are just as big over there as they are here. Mm-hmm. Like people, people understand and like watch uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but as far as like in person, there were a lot of times where we were the first time in people's lives that they saw mm-hmm. foreigners, and so like there is always, and this is good and bad, but like there is always a spotlight on you no matter what. Mm. And so it's always this tension between like a massive opportunity seemingly for the gospel, mm-hmm. but also for being sort of founded out. So like mm. what, where, like where a lot of that like early learning curve was finding the balance between like, where is it appropriate and not appropriate to say mm-hmm. and do certain things? Yeah. 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 And also like, yeah, culture, is completely, absolutely different over there. And so there were situations where I would feel 100% comfortable sharing the gospel and feel like like what I just did was awesome in that like, oh, I just told this person about Jesus and they said that they you know, would think about it or like they agreed or they liked all of it. But really what was happening was that my American bold personality was like jumping out in their Chinese, very accepting, very non-confrontational personality was saying, oh yeah, I like that. That sounds good. Okay. And really it was just nothing, no gospel (laughs) was going on. So there had to be a lot of learning. Okay. How do I respectfully and lovingly show these people who Jesus is and actually know that they walk away really knowing who Jesus is and not just trying to be my friend or not just, not just being very, very, very polite. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of just trying to navigate through what it meant to share the gospel in a culture that is 99.9% completely opposite of ours. I think the way y'all described it was, um, like lying is okay. Like yeah. it's an acceptable practice to just yeah. like fall face lie to somebody just because you're trying to be polite. Right. You're trying to be polite. That or just the, because it's better like like a group mentality is the like like 
what's best cultural over there. Like there's a really interesting ethics question that you will like, you can get, like you can talk with students about or people about whatever. And um, it's uh, in America when you, if you ask someone is, if you have the ability to help your friend cheat on a test who like couldn't study, is that wrong? Almost 100% of the time in America, we're, we're going to always say, of course, that's wrong. Yeah. Like cheating is wrong. But in China, almost 100% of the time, people will say, no, it's wrong to not help them. Mm. Like yeah. what's best for the group is best for everybody. Yeah. Whereas in America, it's what's no, the the law, like the the letter of the law is what matters the most, whether or not it's right. like the right or wrong thing. Yeah. And so you're constantly facing the tension of that. Right. As well, they mm-hmm. just they always want to do what will honor the other person, and so and and sometimes that means saying, "Yeah, I I don't disagree with your religion." <laughs> and right, so, right, right, right. So it, it's this tension of like, do you really agree with what I just said, or are you just saying that because you really love me and want to mm-hmm. be my friend? Because like the the thing that's Americans have no problem with most of us, at least in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's like that Twitter culture of right. I will tell you exactly you're how insane. Yeah, you know, you're, I'm okay with telling you what you just said. Either offended me or was incompletely mm-hmm. insane. Um, that is like that. No one would ever do that. <laughs> yeah. In China. Like, yeah, I. It took me months of building relationships with one particular student who later I became one of my closest friends. Mm. And literally on our like very last day of interacting, I told her that Kristen and I felt called to go to move to places that weren't very safe so that I could tell people about Jesus. Like we had become close enough where Mm -hmm. I told her I liked telling people about Jesus. And she finally spoke up and told me that she thought it was ridiculous. Like finally, after so long, she was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. She was like, I, she was like, I just, I really don't understand why you do that. She's like, like, just go live a happy life. Don't Mm. go, don't go put your life in danger to go tell people about Jesus. And it was a year and a half of her being like, wow, Jesus sounds like a cool guy. And like, it just, (laughs) that's like a, that's a hard reset for your soul. Like, you know, I mean, no, seriously, like you've spent a year and a half, what you feel is evangelizing to only hear that person say it was ridiculous at the end. Um, Man, that's, that's tough. Well, one thing I want to touch on a little bit is the, not just the culture of China, but what were the the religious kind of undertones and overtones sometimes you were dealing with? Yeah. Because um, you know, in America, we're dealing with you know religion of our own making, but it's yeah. it's confronting what people think about Jesus and trying to almost yeah. correct that. That's our mission here. But in China, it was it's okay. starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, like you know, there are like trying like people in China know about holidays. So there's like Christmas and Easter. Like, oh, it's a big Western holiday. Most of them have no idea. Uh, like what it really means though. But even though like, it's really, it's so crazy. Cause like those are also opportunities to introduce people to Jesus. Cause like for, for instance, Christmas, like the Chinese for Christmas is uh Shangdanjie, which is, uh, it literally means holy birth. Mm. And then like Jia means festival. That's, we don't have to do this as a uh, language lesson, but uh, either way, like 
so like literally in the name, the name means holy birth. And so like it's such a cool like way yeah, to yeah. be like, do you know why Kinda our like- Western holiday about giving each other gifts and spending a lot of money mm-hmm. is called holy birth? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's actually better than our Christmas, which yeah. is, <laughs> which is just Christ yeah. mass. You know, it's come on. We're just we're just. You know, yeah. that sounds like, I like holy birth. We're going to start that. Yeah, like, yeah. Holy birth. Write that down. Holy <laughs> birth better than Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that I'll never get. Shangdanjie, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, but yeah, like, so, and the, but that also is a testament to the fact that um, the, like, like, in America, like, even most atheists would probably be able to tell you a lot about the biblical story mm-hmm. yeah. and like our, our condition as humans, yeah. those, those sorts of things. They've seen like, the nativity story. Right. Even like mo- <laughs> most, most people in America would tell you that like, yeah, a lot of the times we're like bad people selfishly, you know, like, or like, you know, we do like, like there's a lot about us that like we need to fix. All right. But which obviously the idea of like sin and our standing before a holy God is crucial to the understanding of the gospel. But in a lot of particularly China, but a lot of Asian contexts, like those, those like cultures and thought systems are rooted in like Buddhism and Taoism and Taoism and like these, these Eastern, uh, Eastern religions with, with ideas that like we are, like in in us is like nothing but good. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like ultimately we're good people and we just have to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Which is like diametrically opposed to the like truth that we are not good people <laughs> and right, are in right. need of saving. And so like not only is it like are you up against like actually telling people like who the person of Jesus is, but like showing them that they are in fact in need of saving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two, so two of the, the coolest testimonies that I heard from, from two separate uh, Chinese Christians was one of them was that the realization of that all the good that she had received in her life, she finally realized like, oh, it's not because I'm deserving of that. It's probably because God has like mm. graciously blessed me with this. So that was like a realization of coming from kind of an Asian thought of like, oh, I've done good, so I'm getting blessed with good to a like, oh, I'm I realize I'm not a good person and this right. this good that I've received in my life is a is grace from God. Mm. And then the other kind of on the flip side of that, um, another testimony was someone looking at her life and seeing just a lot of bad Mm. and thinking the the, like the realization of sin Mm. and realizing, wow, we are a depraved Mm. people. And this is why I can look back at my life and see so many bad things because sin has just wrecked the mm. world, and we need Jesus. So you you had students who came to that realization? I, not like, I, I met Christians who I talked to okay. um, and who shared their testimony with me of, like, how they came to saving faith. Okay. And that those were the two stories that stood out the mm. most to me were the people who kind of came from Asian thought and, like, that that kind of, oh, we're all good thought to like realizing that God is the sustainer and, and like mm. the only good. Mm. Wow. So you talked about earlier about the stripping away uh, mm. that terminology um, just because 
as a Christian, I, I can I can get that. Like we're we're called to you know pick up your cross daily and follow yeah. Christ, and you know do the introspective work of of finding the depths of our hearts and all that kind of stuff to sin that in root in, 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 so rooted so deeply. So, um, but from your perspective, though, that stripping is slightly different. You know, it wasn't really necessarily you know stripping away of sin. It was a stripping. Oh, away. it was. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> oh, that was involved. Don't worry. Okay. okay. Um, I That's was never more, not involved. I was more thinking like the that process was more stripping away of of comfort. Yeah, comfort. well, that the hundred percent too. Yeah, it's and like it coming to a level of obedience that was yeah. beyond like what I could ever imagine. It's like like it's getting to a point where like nothing, literally nothing else satisfies. Mm-hmm. Like there, even the things that like you know brought me a little joy throughout the day and like i loved like like pouring myself into for entertainment or whatever like you get to a point where like those things are like just feel empty now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and like even like even being back home and being in a situation where like oh there's all these comforts around in america it's like it doesn't feel like fullness yeah joy mm-hmm. so it's like it's like it's like it's like God brings you to a point where you're blindfolded and jumping into like a vast nothingness <laughs> and like with the only assurance that like I I will like I will catch you and I'll give you all that you need mm-hmm. and like and like that getting to a point where like you will do that like that's what it that's what this like stripping away sort of leads to is knowing that like I'm going to jump into this open ravine and like the only thing I have to go on is that like Jesus is there mm-hmm. yeah. and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it kind of, I don't mean to like jump into present tense, but it kind of never stops the stripping away of like, yeah. like you, I came to a point where I thought, okay, I right. have given, right. okay. <laughs> I have given everything. Like, I don't think I have any more to give. And then even currently, God is walking me through. Mm. Like, he's saying, okay, give this part to me. Like, okay, I still have more for you to trust. I still, and like, it just, it like, as, and I mean, as a Christian, for sure. And as a missionary, certainly like the walk of just handing everything over to God never stops. Like you, like I, like I said, I'd reached a part where I thought hmm. there's nothing more I can give. And then God found more. <laughs> well, you had said something earlier, Lacey, about, um, like when you, you spent a year and a half talking to, to a person and at the end they said it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess what were the, not the lessons learned, but what was that like stripping, we'll go back to the stripping yeah. away of, hey, I'm here. I'm I'm doing something for the Lord. Look right. how, not how awesome I am, but there had to have been a, a process of mm-hmm. a stripping in the first maybe three, four, five months or whatever it was is of a breakdown of, okay, if this is going to happen, it's not going to be me. Yeah. So do you all have any like stories or just like instances where you started out with this like clear intention of we're here to spread the gospel. Then it was like, oh, we just, we just hit reality. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so two kind of flip sides of that. Like my story is, uh, I have a few <laughs> failed stories of, of like, there was one girl who, uh, audibly was calling herself a Christian. Mm. And I was like rejoicing on the inside. I was like, yes, this is like, 
my first win. Like <laughs> this is a tally. My belt. Yes. And then I finally, Psych. yeah, I finally had a conversation with her and she was like, I mean, I like Jesus, but honestly, like, I'm just too afraid and it just doesn't make sense with my life. And so I'm probably just going to pray and stuff, but like, he's not my Lord. Mm. And I, I went into like a month long depression over that of just like, are you serious? Like just total failure. And, um... And then another of like want just completely and utterly and feeling courageously preach the gospel to my class over Easter. Just absolutely put it out there. Like Jesus is Lord, mm. you need to ask for forgiveness, all of that. And not a single person responded. And I preached it to like 180 students. Not a single person wow. responded. And just feeling, yeah, failure, but then realizing Jesus is Lord. Like the Holy Spirit is what does that. Um, and then on the flip side, Chris, you can tell. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we talk about all the time, especially in like our context in America, about like how it's not about the numbers and like, you know, all these things like that. But like you find that subconsciously you're thinking, man, like I'm going to like, I'm going to get to like I'm going to reel this one in. I'm going to get to see, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I'm going to get to see all these people come to Jesus yeah. in front of me. And it's like, no matter how well-intentioned you think you are going into this, you are slapped in the face with your own pride and ignorance yeah. in that, like, no, you still want to be holier than thou mm -hmm. being the one in front of this. And God, so graciously, in spite of ourselves, taught us that, like, look, this is on his timetable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just get to be the planting, like part of like him planting the seed. Mm -hmm. How long does it take for, you know, a tree to grow from a seed? And like, that's, that's an incredibly crucial part of the journey that like God would use you in that part of someone's life. But like, you don't get to see the fruit of that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really highlighted for us by the very same uh, guy who told us that like, not only will I not come to your Bible study, but it's illegal and you shouldn't do it. That was, you know, that felt great uh, as we were in the process of trying to get people to come to this thing. But, you know, we just kept praying for him and he eventually ended up, he ended up coming and we did like a six week study um, and he came to everyone. He was the one like asking like really deep questions. Mm. Um, after a few weeks, he asked for his own Bible mm. um, and was reading it on his own. And like, he even came up to me after one of our studies and on a completely unrelated topic was like, I was reading here and I want to ask you what this means. Um, and it was just wild. Uh, well, then, you know, we finished our study. Um, and like the next day or two, mm -hmm. we saw him walking around. Like we would, this was like, this was somebody that we like, we just always randomly run into. Right. Um, in, a, in a country of over almost 2 billion people. <laughs> yeah. um, but we, um, we, we run into him. We're like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And without any prompting, without saying, not even hello, goes, you know, I have to tell you guys, before the Bible study, I was an atheist. Uh, and a funny story, we thought he said artist at first. <laughs> yeah, we were like, did he tell you not to be God an told you you can't be an artist anymore? God likes artists. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, I was an atheist, and this Bible study has changed me, uh, and I can no longer deny the existence of God. And we were like, 
we were shocked. shocked. And this is like after six weeks of feeling like I do I even know the Bible? Like I'm a failure. Like this like and it was just such an incredible picture of God's sovereignty and power. Yeah. And like that he would be doing this in this student's life. And um, you know, and he was like, Look, I'm not I can't say I'm a Christian, but like I can't deny any of it. And like I think I could be on the way to being one. Mm. And we were just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. And, like, and just kind of even made us feel even weaker because yeah. like he was the student way. that we had, I don't want to say neglected, but like we had been like, he was oh, the one who he's said the that one who's just here because like he's, cr- I mean, he we was, were just like, you said that this was illegal and like you're here yeah, and, and you want to know part of it. You yeah. Know, like, and like all of his questions were kind of like, yeah, but the Bible says this, uh, you know, like they were very, antagonizing and very like but like but, but, like, but, it, but like in China we say this like yeah, things yeah. like that so we were kind of like you're just here because you're curious and then all of a sudden God in his miraculous wisdom and grace just takes our ignorance and stupidity and pride and was just like look I'm doing this in his heart not you We didn't plan it. I didn't plan to ask this question, but it just popped in my head, so I want to press in here a little bit. A little bit. Uh, you're talking about. I'm, I'm thinking about people who don't have any context for God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the, the God of the Bible? Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They have their own gods, their own version of of, of gods, but not our. Or God. a sort of moral system, or right? Whatever, or, yeah. or you know, a, a not only just a triune God, but a monotheistic in a sense that there's one God, yeah. right? There's not there. We, we worship one God. He has happens to be three. Uh, what the question I have? I'm getting there. <laughs> What was your the gospel message that you presented? Like, mm-hmm. I know what I would tell a Christian who already had a baseline yeah. of a, a Christian, a, no, a non-Christian American who had a baseline understanding of, of Jesus, um, who'd been to church, grew up in the church, something like that, but they had walked away. Like, I know what I would tell that person. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to sit here and think of, like, how would I build a narrative off the yeah. Bible and present it to somebody who has never heard of this at all and then try to convince them that this is good news to them. For me, it like, particularly in China, they appreciate stories Mm -hmm. and they appreciate the realization that something works and it's true. And so I would always start with a testimony Mm -hmm. and like this, the particular guy that, that, came to realize that you know he could no longer deny the existence of God was really really into the idea of miracles hmm. just this idea that like God is with us he on multiple occasions would ask like, have you ever experienced have you ever seen a miracle yeah. have you ever experienced a miracle and so testimonies were really big and you know I'm mean, like you can't talking about the Bible over there is like talking about any other textbook or like even any non like fiction book, you know, they like, there is no authority of scripture to them. Yeah. And so mostly just saying, listen, like this is what God has done in my life. And then once, you know, they come to realize like, wow, not like prayer works and you've seen miracles and, Mm -hmm. and then saying, okay, now let me tell you about, the God that does miracles, but also the God that saves. Mm. And like, you kind of just start from a very baseline of like, 
let me introduce you to my God. Did you talk anything about, did you do conversations like hell or where we're so, all headed? Yeah, kind yeah. Of yeah. In, in so, sense? like, people people who know of this will, like, understand what this means. But, like, there's a concept of, like, shame and honor mm. in those cultures. And so, like, there is a way to share the gospel mm-hmm. in a shame, honor, and face. Face means, like... Um, like building someone else's else up, or like yeah, your, or like, like your own. You're standing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, and then like shame and honor, we get that. But like, there's a way of sharing the gospel in a shame honor context that is biblically true, and like, it's pretty powerful. And in that, and in that culture, is like, like sin, like maybe like sin and like debt and redemption, all those things, like maybe don't have like carry the same weight, but like shame and honor and face are like, Oh my gosh. Can you like, give us like a, give me, give us a very briefly. Or? Like what we did was like when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they dishonored God, mm-hmm. brought shame about themselves and like, and shame on and God. Lost, yeah. And brought shame onto God and like lost his face. And so like what Jesus did was restore that. Yeah. So, like, they, for them, like, bringing shame onto their parents was a huge, like, you don't want to bring shame onto your parents. So, we would say, we, like, we as sinners bring shame unto our Heavenly Father. And so, then we talk about it, like, it would be like as if you brought shame onto your parents, and instead of them expecting you to restore that, they restored it on their own with Mm. no like no questions asked just did it because like and so that's kind of how we like jesus himself restored without that restoration like you have you brought dishonor like you you can no longer be in his presence presence yeah Mm, that's powerful yeah i mean it's it's a retelling because the good news is the good news it it doesn't have to be like we've created you know, the last 200, 300 years, we've created almost like this, like in the, in the church at least, like this, this is the gospel right. and yeah. it's X, Y, and Z. And anything outside of X, Y, and Z is yeah. not the gospel. But really, the way the Bible talks about the gospel is it's good news and the good news can be different to different people. Yeah. It always incorporates some level of, obviously, Jesus coming to earth, dying for your sins and being raised. Well, and like, well, yeah, but, yeah. But, the, but, but expanding upon that, like you said, like, I heard that when you said the shame on her face. I was like, is that biblical? I'm like, yeah. In my head, I'm like, yeah. shame. But I'm thinking, well, that's, well, and that's and still and good it, news. And, there, and here's the thing, like, because this is all, this would be a whole other podcast topic, <laughs> but they're like, nothing, nothing is like, like, let me see how I want to frame this. Uh, obviously, like, culture is important, but like, mm-hmm. the truth of scripture is way more important than mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And so, the, they're like the truth. The truth of the gospel can never be sacrificed for culture, um, but there is a way to like in a culturally appropriate context teach truth. Yeah, true. And that's yeah. the thing. Like, it's not necessarily even like. I mean, it's definitely not a different gospel. That, no, 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 that's, no. Right. That's, that's, yeah, it's it's just a way of teaching the gospel yeah. in a in a cultural context. Well, yeah, and it makes like sense. It yeah. makes sense. It's not changing the gospel to make it cross-cultural. Mm-hmm. It's acknowledging that the gospel is cross-cultural. So let's 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 land this plane here. What were the um what were your biggest takeaways from your time in China? Hmm. 
I think for me that Jesus is truly worth exponentially more than we will ever be able to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just in the way that he provides, in the way that he serves, in, the, in his grace, in you know, all of that. Just like every single day was a new lesson of how Jesus, like even on the hardest days looking back, I can still think like, man, mm. Jesus is worth it. Like the gospel is worth it. Yeah. A lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I think also that like, you know, just it's very easy to sit, you know, like in our like American context and feel good about the script, scripture and stuff like that. But to see the gospel be true in every cultural context like Mm -hmm. the gospel doesn't need to doesn't need to be changed it's true in every context Mm -hmm. it's the same gospel and it's it's truth Mm -hmm. like to see like we like we believe that on like a cerebral level but like to see it was yeah yeah just the power of the gospel Mm. yeah so what's next well we're so we're currently uh looking looking into uh, who, with who, and where we'll be going back into the field? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're yeah. looking into that currently, but we have a pretty good idea. Within, that we're still with, praying. Yeah, uh, we feel like I mean, definitely within the year, uh, okay. we'll be back out. Probably somewhere different this time, like we've sort of always felt, I guess. But uh, no, that's that is God's calling on our life and what He's using us for and uh so that'll be what we're always doing though there'll, there'll probably be seasons where we'll be back home for a time right but you know and then we'll be back out again mm-hmm. so. mm. amazing well thanks for sitting down with me you are amazing you're very ins- inspirational uh so it's a it's a it's a message and a story that whew, so many of us need to hear and be reminded of, of really what our calling is on this earth. It's not to be comfortable. It's not to have, you know, the nicest house in the neighborhood, you know, kind of a thing. We're actually called to very uncomfortable mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need, we need to be reminded of that. And y'all's, y'all's story is, is cuts that one straight to the, the core. So thank you again for uh, doing what you do. You're amazing. Um, thank you. No, thank you. Mm. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Red Hill Stories. If you want to hear some of our other stories or Sunday gathering messages, you can find them at redhillschurch.com backslash messages. Once again, thank you for listening.